Hi, welcome to our latest Shoe Speed KTR podcast. This particular podcast forms part of our mini series of back to basics on on various HR topics and processes. I've got Amy Anderson and Amy Leach with me today. Hi, ladies, are you okay? Hello. Yes, thank you. How are you doing? Good. All good. Um, so, what we're going to talk about today is grievances. These can be weird and wonderful. Um, I'm sure I speak for all employment lawyers across the country and HR people uh, when I say the content of grievances are can often be astonishing in terms of um, what companies have to deal with. So what what we're going to look at today, and and I think this is a helpful episode for for both newbies to the HR world and you know kind of those more experienced people um, within the the HR fraternity is you know, kind of grievance procedures, how they work. Um, so Amy Leach, do you want to start off um, explaining to us what a grievance is? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Andy. And I'm sure for some employers, they probably um, are fully aware of what a grievance is and may have had to deal with, like you say, many weird and wonderful um, ones. So kind of ACAS um, defines grievances as concerns, problems or complaints that employees raise with their employers. Um, so issues uh, that may cause grievances include uh, it could be issues to do with terms and conditions of employment, health and safety, work relations, bullying and harassment, uh, working environment. Sometimes we see them relating to discrimination allegations. Um, and I suppose just to touch on, I suppose, who can raise a grievance, the ACAS code um, that kind of talks about grievances and, and disciplinaries and that um, talks about uh, grievance being limited in scope to employees who are still employed. But I think we would probably always advise an employer and consider the circumstances if they have a grievance raised by another worker within their business or by workers and employees who have left their employment. It may be that actually it is necessary or reasonable in the circumstances to um, look at that grievance, even if they have left employment at that point. I think it's probably also worth saying that it's good practice for employers to provide a clear route slash process um, to all members of staff to raise issues. Um, particularly if the issues that relate to, say, discrimination, harassment and victimisation in the workplace. And I think by doing that, it kind of promotes a culture of openness, shows that the employer is happy to take uh, issues relating to those topics seriously. And I think it will encourage staff um, to speak up, uh, giving employers an opportunity to investigate and resolve internal issues before they escalate. Um, and actually, that might even prevent them becoming a formal grievance. It could be that it can be dealt with informally before it gets to that point of the employee feeling like they must raise that formal grievance and go down that route. So when uh, a grievance, I guess, is presented, employers should be mindful of their duties under the ACAS code of practice on disciplinary and grievance procedures. And I suppose it's worth noting, and and many employers will be aware of this, that whilst uh, failure to follow any part of the code uh, does not in itself make an employer liable to proceedings, there's no kind of breach of ACAS code claim or anything like that, the tribunals will take the code into account where it's relevant, um, particularly when considering whether an employer's acted reasonably or not, and it can actually result in an uplift to compensation where relevant. And also sometimes um, compensation being reduced if necessarily as well um, from the individual side if they've not followed parts of it. So just a point I think employers should kind of be mindful of. And the thing I'd say as well is sometimes grievances can be missed, uh, especially in this kind of digital world where we all live where lots of emails land and come and you know so and that doesn't always lead to a problem but it but it can if if it's missed um and and, and to your point amy 
effectively, sometimes something what could appear to be a grievance isn't, you know, kind of, that's not the intention of the employee who, who's raised that particular complaint. But by asking the question, it, it, you know, kind of, do you want to pursue this as a formal grievance? It, it gives off that open, transparent approach that most businesses want to to present to the employee. So it, I, I don't think it's ever an issue to say, seen this, you know, kind of, it could be a grievance. We, we just want to check with you. Is, is that what you want us to do? Uh, and the employee may or may not say yes. Um, so, but just something to be alive to because it, they can be missed. Yeah, I agree the with you. The procedure then, Amy. I was just going to say, I agree with you in terms of um, grievances sometimes being missed. I think HR, people that are working in HR, obviously, are very experienced in dealing with grievance. But I think sometimes if you have more junior managers who might potentially be that first line of first line of contact, they get something which a HR professional would immediately think, oh, is this potentially a grievance? But they don't recognise it as such. And I think some of like the training that we've done for clients previously to, for managers is about recognising a grievance and what to do when they get grievances so that um, they're able to deal with them or at least notify HR that they receive something rather than not really recognising it for, for, for what it is. And obviously, moving to the process, if, if the original stage isn't there of in terms of do we have we had a grievance, can we recognise what a grievance is or isn't, then we don't know how to deal with it procedurally because it's not getting to the right channels. So I think, as Amy Amy said, ideally, we as she alluded to, ideally we want to treat treat grievances informally and I think that also links into your point Andy about asking the question is do you want this to be treated as a formal grievance because best case scenario is that you're able to deal with it at the informal stage reach a solution that 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 the employee is happy with and means that as a business and um, you don't have to go through the, the entire grievance process but where a grievance can't be resolved informally um, an employee will generally set it set it out in writing um to, to their manager they may as we said we may, they may not use the word grievance it might not be obvious that it's a grievance but they will set out the subject matter of their complaint in writing and um, as a business you would then need to acknowledge that and then try and arrange a meeting with that individual to discuss their to discuss their complaint discuss their grievance in a, in a bit more detail and um, i think depending on the nature of the grievance as a business you might want to think about what additional support or arrangements that you could put in place for the employee whilst the grievance is, is ongoing but that will largely depend upon the, the, the subject matter of the grievance and um, after you've held the initial meeting with the employee and um, the business will then need to carry out a further investigation to understand what the employee's complaint is and whether they think it's it's it, it's a valid complaint that needs to be upheld or whether or not that they're not going to upheld the grievance because of the investigation that they've that they've carried out. Yeah, and if 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 the grievance remains unresolved following that investigation, um, then effectively the matter will proceed to a grievance hearing, um, where a decision will have to be made. Um, now, grievance hearings themselves can be held in person or remotely. Um, kind of practical tip, uh, as ever with these kind of hearings and and I, I had this example crop up in my inbox only last week um if you as a grievance officer are adjourning um do be alive to the fact that the employee albeit may have been asked not to record um the the conversation or what's happening they may be doing so anyway um so we would always recommend that you leave the room whether that's a virtual one or a physical one um to to have any conversations with the HR support or any deliberations as to 
to what your decision may be uh, before kind of re-entering the room rather than asking the individual employee to leave the room who may leave their phone recording, may leave some other device that, that kind of records uh, all of what is said during that adjournment. So that's just a practical tip. But the, I was going to say, I've definitely old... had people fall foul of that. <laughs> Yeah, it, it happens far more frequently than, than people anticipate. And I, I guess that's the advancement of technology and people having very small devices that, that can record what is or isn't being said. So, yeah, the, the roles of the grievance investigator and decision maker can actually be combined. Um, and I, I don't think that's a, a bad thing because actually for the, the decision maker to fully understand what's gone on, they, they often need to do quite a lot of the investigating as well so um but you know so that that may be a process that that is relatively smooth and you don't necessarily get that in in the disciplinary process where you have distinctions um workers who raise a grievance they do have a statutory right to be accompanied at the meeting um you know so that's by either a colleague or a trade union representative um and, and that's at both the investigation and grievance hearings themselves. Um, probably worth just sense checking your own policies um, on that to make sure that that is covered off. Um, and then once the decision maker has arrived at their decision, uh, the employee needs to be informed. Um, and, and ideally without unreasonable delay, you know, that doesn't prevent additional investigations taking place. But obviously you don't want that to go on and on and on, um, you know, because... There is an outstanding grievance. There is presumably a need for individuals to carry on doing their work. So you don't want these things to linger. Um, but yeah, the and the outcome uh, can be given verbally, but should be followed up in writing. Um, the individual should be told what the outcome of that grievance is um, and equally their, their right to appeal. Um, and the, the other thing I should say is, you know, kind of the... Lots of organisations almost bend over backwards to make sure there isn't a finding against the business. Um, and that's not always the right thing to do. Now, it seems like it should be, because why would you make a finding? But sometimes organisations, if they hold their hands up and say, you know what, we just got this wrong. You know, kind of the manager should have done something slightly different or we should have considered that. We recognise that. We're going to address that by implementing, you know, A, B and C. And, you know, going forwards, um, we, we, we apologise to you for that and this is what we're going to do. And often, that's all employees want. They, they want that recognition that they have been wronged. It doesn't go hand in hand in compensation. Um, so it, it's it's a tool that can be used. Um, and like I say, just holding your hands up sometimes it isn't a bad thing. Um, the other thing to be alive to is, well, again, more practical tip and, and one that certainly ACAS recommends and I, I suspect most organisations do is but to keep a written record of of these grievances so that you understand you know kind of what has gone on when it went on you know and you know have a pack of all the relevant information along with the outcome letter because sometimes the grievance can be the start to an elongated process where you know the individual ultimately ends up in a tribunal um, and, and if you just discard everything at an early stage thinking, oh, well, that's all resolved now, that can be problematic if if actually the issues don't fully resolve themselves and there continues to be an issue and you don't, you don't have then the, the full backstory of evidence. Um, so really important to, to keep everything, to make sure you've got the records. Um, and the other thing is, 
you know, kind of having that information available may mean if, you know, the grievance has raised, been raised against Joe Bloggs and then in the future there's another grievance raised against the same Joe Bloggs, there could be a pattern um, that the organisation needs to keep on top of to make sure that, you know, kind of actually, uh, you know, kind of Joe Bloggs in that particular example is a problem child and is somebody that we, we need to, you know, kind of address, you know, kind of whether that's by a disciplinary or coaching or training, but it, it's something, if you just discard everything as soon as you've done the grievance, then you wouldn't necessarily be able to kind of create that picture going forward. So that brings us to the conclusion of our quick refresher on grievances. Like I say, we describe it as back to basics, but they, they can, you know, kind of ultimately deal with very complicated issues. So, um, you know, kind of, it is just worth taking your time considering the grievance fully, making sure the process is followed. Um, but if anybody wants to share any war stories with us about the most weird and wonderful grievances they've received, we would be gladly, uh, we would gladly receive those. So, you know, do get in touch on that or any other matter uh, with us at shoespeakhr at shoesmiths.co.uk. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks, Amy's. Thanks, Dave. <laughs>